0: So good to worship today, and so good to see all of us together in one. It's just a blessing, and thank you again for for being here. It has been a childhood favorite story since at least the 1880s. A mother who sends her sons off to begin life on their own. Well, in this case, you have to understand the mother is... A pig and she sends her three little pigs out to build a house on their own. And as you know the story, one builds his house of straw and another builds his house of sticks and the other builds his house of bricks. And you know, they build it and at least in the version that I'm used to seeing, the one in straw would put, get their house up real quick and then they got to just play and, and do their thing. And then the one in sticks took a little longer than the straw, but not much. And they got to, to play. And then the one in bricks, it took him more energy and effort. And then the big bad wolf comes. Little pig, little pig, let me come in. Not by the hair of my chinny chin chin. Is this ringing a bell this morning? All right. And I'll huff and I'll puff and I'll blow your house down. And we recognize in the story that he blows down the house of straw and he blows down the house of sticks, but he is unable to blow down the house that is made of bricks. And there's a moral lesson to this about using the right kind of supplies and how you build something and putting forth Work and effort and investing your time well and not, uh, squandering your time or being lazy. There's, there's these moral lessons that are implied into this story. Well, Jesus gives a story and it's not about the structure of the house. Instead, Jesus tells a story about the foundation of the house. So take your Bibles this morning and turn with me to the Gospel of Luke. Luke chapter 6 and we're going to pick up today in verse number 46 Luke chapter 6 and verse number 46 now to my uh, great joy there are no time constraints on how long I preach today there is no Sunday school service to get to and uh, anyway but I will try to be kind In Luke 6, 46, it says this, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and don't do the things I say? I will show you what someone is like who comes to me, hears my word, and acts on them. He's like a man building a house who dug deep and laid that foundation on the rock. When the flood came and the river crashed against that house, And couldn't shake it because it was well built. But the one who hears and does not act is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. The river crashed against it and immediately it collapsed. And the destruction of that house was great. With that, let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word and the truth in it today. And God, specifically, I pray today that every student and every man and woman would recognize what their life is built on today. And Lord, if it is not built on you, our solid rock, I pray God today, they would make that decision to say yes to you. Lord, you speak, move in encouragement and in conviction today. I recognize it is not by might or power or intellect of the speaker. So I pray for your spirit to move. In Jesus' name, amen. Jesus is coming to the end of the sermon on the plane. We've been looking at this over the last few weeks, and Jesus started this sermon with blessing statements. Blessing our Those who are poor and hungry and those who weep and are hated and insulted. And then he pours out the woe statements of those who are are rich and full and they look like they're happy and free and everyone speaks great of them. But Jesus warns and says, look, there's something more to life than just being carefree. Then Jesus moves and he talks about love. And challenging us to love our enemies. This is not a natural kind of love that we can just stir up on the inside of us. But Jesus, in two instances, in verse number 27 and verse number 35, challenges us, love your enemies. If you love people who do good to you, what does that really count? I mean, even sinners can love people who love them and do good to those who do good to them. And then Jesus begins to dig in about our heart and our life. And he reminds us that out of the good of our heart, that he ultimately is the one who gives, then good things can come out. So so we began to look last week about our heart. Is our heart judging and condemning or forgiving and giving? Is our heart causing a blindness in our eyes that we would follow after the self-righteous, like the blind leading the blind? Or that we would be judgmental in our perspective in that we would be trying to take a speck of sawdust or a splinter out of someone else's eye while we have a beam in our own. And then he breaks it down to this. What is in your heart is going to come out through your life. It is called the fruit of your life. What is going on on the inside is going to come out through the actions and attitudes and what you do and how you live on the inside. It's all a telltale of how your heart is doing. And then, not only our life, but our words. He challenges us with that it is out of the abundance of our heart that our mouth speaks. So the condition of our heart is absolutely essential. Then Jesus asks an important question and he gives two illustrations as he really comes to the point where he is winding down this sermon. This ultimately is the conclusion of the sermon on the plane. Jesus is bringing it down and he is bringing it to a point of application for each one of us. So... Jesus wants to see what your house is built on. I will say he already knows. But he wants us to look at our life and say, what is my life built on? What is the foundation of my life? So he asks an initial question in verse number 46. And the initial question is this. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and don't do the things that I say? Why do you call me Lord, Lord? And it's interesting, he didn't just say, why do you call me Lord? But he ultimately says, why do you call me Lord, Lord? Here a picture of emphasis and a picture of intensity and a picture of intimacy. There are those who claim to know Jesus and they proclaim it with their mouth, but they're not living like they know him because they're not doing what he tells them to do. Now, we all know that we do not come to Jesus based on our works. It is not that we can do enough good things in order to get to heaven on our own, and that our works can save us. The Bible makes it very clear, for by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not of works, lest anyone should boast. Jesus would use the word believe over 90 times in the Gospel of John, or John the writer would record the word believe over 90 times in the Gospel of John, and would challenge us to be people who believe. Matter of fact, John 3, 16, God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him, it is a matter of faith and belief. But it is one thing for someone to claim intimacy, and claim a relationship with Jesus when they're not listening to him. And they're not doing what he says. Jesus gives the picture. There are some who are going to say, Lord, Lord. But they're not listening to me. They're not doing what I say. They can profess whatever they want with their mouth. But what's going on in their heart What's going on in their life? What is the fruit of their life? What are the words of their life? And we often find talk can be cheap. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and don't do the things that I say? Amos 3, 3 asks the question, can two walk together unless they are agreed can, can you walk hand in hand with your spouse as, you know, you're, you're in Walmart and you're ready to head to the fishing department or the sports area and, you know, she wants to head 99% of the rest of the store that I could really care less about, you know? <laughs> Automotive, sports, they're right next to each other. That's all I need, you know, if I'm going to go. But, but the picture is, is can we walk with the Lord? Can we proclaim and say, Lord, Lord, And think that a faith or words like that alone can save us? James would challenge us to not just be hearers of the word, but to be doers of the word. Because if we're just hearers of the word, we're like a man who looks at his face in a mirror, and then he goes away and he doesn't even try to touch himself up. He woke up with, with bedhead and sleep in his eyes, and he just proceeds on with his day. Now, whoever looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed, James tells us. It is more than just going through a word salad. It is more than semantics It is a a matter of my faith and my heart. So Jesus really throws the question out. And remember, as Jesus is speaking, his, his disciples are there. Matter of fact, it says that he looks at his disciples at one point. But there are other disciples and followers of Jesus there. But there are other people that are gathered there. And some of those other people, they haven't fully made their mind up on Jesus, you can imagine, at this point. And now Jesus really says, guys, this is the foundation of everything. Are you going to listen and act or are you just going to proclaim with your mouth and act like everything is okay? When we look at things like membership roles in churches, can I tell you, no one's ever and will they ever get to heaven by being on a membership role. It's not about proclaiming. Jesus is my savior. It's about living that. Some of you today, I mean, I I pray that the Lord's probing in your heart and saying, are you saying, Lord, Lord, are you saying that I'm the savior of your life? And then living how you want, acting how you want, speaking how you want, doing what you want. That's, That's not how this happens. That's not what true, genuine faith looks like. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and don't do the things I say? We can't walk together unless we are agreed. And the one that we must agree with is Jesus. Jesus gives the initial question. Then Jesus gives two illustrations. Jesus then moves right onto that, and he's going to demonstrate this aspect of some who just say, Lord, Lord, and some who actually live out the sense of Lord, Lord. And this is what he ultimately does in his two illustrations. And he, he lays them out and tells the complete story in each of the following verses. He gives the picture of a man who comes, hears, and acts on God's word. And he's like building a house that is on a firm foundation. So in the first picture, we see this man who... Notice what it does, and notice what it says in verse 47. Who comes who hears and who acts on God's word. And he says, he is like a man who builds a house on a firm foundation because what he does is, and tells us here in the scripture, that he digs deep. He begins to say, look, I'm putting forth some time and effort and energy into this. And I'm going to make sure that when I build my life, it has a firm foundation. So he digs deep and he waits until he hits rock, Petra. And then when he hits that rock, he builds his house. Now, for most of us, our home is the most sing- the most expensive single purchase that we will have throughout our life. I mean, you may purchase other things and and some of you may purchase other larger things. But for the most of us, the largest single purchase in our life will be our home. So we want to make sure that with that single greatest investment of our finances that we're buying something that is going to last. And yet, people spend their whole life... Doing, working, serving, running their kids, getting education, getting a job. And as they do that, they have built their house without the sense of a firm foundation. Interesting, if you uh, if you look at the state of Massachusetts, there is a housing crisis there. I don't know if you knew this or not, but what happened was a cement company that was laying foundations of houses. This cement company had a mineral called, uh, pyrotite in the cement that they were laying the foundations with. And for a matter of years, this company that was pouring foundations for home kept pouring and pouring, pouring hundreds into the thousands of homes. And this pyrotite begins to crumble over a period of time when water and oxygen are exposed to it. And there is a crisis in the state of Massachusetts because these homes that have been built 10, 15, 20, 25 years ago now find that their foundation is crumbling because of a mineral that they did not even know was in the cement. I want to tell you, Jesus says, he who comes and hears and acts on my word is like one building his house on a firm foundation. There are no chemicals. There are no substances that can take away the strength of the foundation of God's word. When we think about God's word, God's word is above us and we are under the authority of God's word. God's word is one of two things that will last forever. Matthew 24, 35 says, Heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will never pass away. His word is the authority of our life. His word is the comfort of our life. His word brings great comfort. His promises are precious. But his word is also the foundation of our life. His word stands as the foundation. And then we notice what happens We notice that as this house is built on the foundation that apparently the rains come and the floods come and this house faces a raging river. This house faces a raging river. There's a storm that comes into this house, into this person's life. If I would kind of separate everybody out today, everybody in their life probably at some point has had a relational storm, some kind of a family storm, some kind of a financial storm, many of you, some kind of a vocational something in your job life has just not been been great. You could pick out all these areas and avenues of our life. We think about our own physical health. All of us have faced storms in all of these different areas, like raging waters. They come in and yet he gives the picture that this house remains unshakable. As the storms come in, this house will not fall. This house is unshakable. Not because of our strength and not because of our finances and not because of our keen intellect, but because our life is built on the word of God. Lydia Owens is probably not a name that you would know or recognize, but about a month ago at Woodmont High School in Piedmont, South Carolina, she gave the valedictorian address at her school. And as she gave the valedictorian address at her school, her classmates knew and probably many of the families knew two years prior Her mother had stepped into eternity. She said this, and as she gave her valedictorian speech, she shared from her heart and from her testimony. She said this, When tragedy struck my life, it was not my grades nor my accomplishments that helped me navigate through that loss. When everything else in my life felt uncertain, The only person I could depend on to stay the same was Jesus. A high school senior standing before her graduating class saying, look, I've been through the storms. I have experienced the storms in my life. And I'm not here to say, man, my grades carried me through. And my accomplishments carried me through. And listen, your money is not going to carry you through. And your intellect and your education and 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 your uh, ability to get a job and your ability to hold a job and your hard work and your effort. These can all be good and wonderful things and can help sustain us in life. But they will not rescue us when the raging river comes at us. This man, he came, (laughs) he came, there was a spiritual hunger in his life. He heard there was a spiritual hunger in his life and he acted. So let me ask you, it's easy to come, it's easy to hear, but are we acting on the foundation of God's word and saying, man, this is everything. This is the foundation of my life. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do the things I say? There's a guy first, and he came and heard, and he acted, and he was like a guy who built a firm uh, a foundation on his house, on his life. And he faced the raging storm and he was unshakable. Some of you have been through fires in your life. And some of you have been through storms in your life. And some of you have been through trials in your life. And I am thankful that God sustained you and you were unshakable. That doesn't mean that there weren't challenges along the way, and tears along the way, and sorrows along the way, and maybe even some doubts along the way. But the big picture was that ultimately holding me fast was a firm foundation of faith. Then he gives another picture. The man who hears and ignores God's word is building a house without a foundation. It's very interesting how, how these two are contrasted in this, in uh, verse number 48. The one who hears and does not act is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. He's built a house on the ground without a foundation. The river crashed against it and immediately collapsed so the second man he heard god's word and he ignored god's word and his house is built without a foundation his house is built with no foundation it's just like when i was in uh middle school early late elementary early middle school my dad built a shed one of these metal sheds and, I mean, we just kind of laid it on the ground, kind of uh, put some wood down, dug a little bit, and then just took and just screwed some screws and screwed it down. And what happened? Well, it lasted for a few years. And the wind came, and guess what? We got to do that again. It was so much fun. It wasn't built like our house. It was built different than our house. So Jesus drives home. That the man who hears and does not act on God's words building a house without a foundation. Now, foundations take time. And foundations take energy. And foundations take effort. Foundations take some work. There are some who, they don't want to build a foundation on their house because they're just not really interested in spiritual things and they're not willing to put forth the time and effort to dig in any of this. Even though this is an eternal picture of of our spiritual life. There are some who just want to live for the moment. And guess what? You can build a house without a foundation and probably put it up much quicker. But it will last just a very short time. And notice the same thing happens. The house that is built without a foundation, what happens? This house is encountering a raging river. And as the raging river of this house then comes, what do we find out about this house? This house experiences complete destruction. This house comp- experiences complete destruction. It's gone. It's over. The house is gone. And it's interesting. The picture is, is everything this person worked for, everything this person spent their time and effort and energy on, with one storm, and ultimately that may be the storm of them standing before God on judgment day, that everything in their life is gone. You know what it kind of reminds me of? I've been doing this a long time. You know what it kind of reminds me of? It reminds me of, of people who plan a wedding. And they spare no expense... And they get all the frills and thrills of planning the wedding and going through the reception and throwing this party to appease and and allow everyone to enjoy all the things that they can afford. And yet, they never work on their relationship. You know people like that? They've spent all this money on the party. But the party was the celebration of the relationship. But they never spent any time working on the relationship. And guess what happens? The storms begin to come. And they find that they didn't take the time and the energy and the effort to build a good foundation in their relationship and in their life. I wonder today, families, moms and dads, grandmas and grandpas, are we exemplifying this life that comes and hears and acts on God's word as the foundation of our life, and are we modeling that? Are we too busy running with the culture? Are we too busy fitting in with everyone else? Are we too busy caught up in all the things of the world? I debated whether to say this, but let me just say it. We have our boys and girls in here today and and I'm so thankful that they are. But parents, if you turned on the news this past week and saw the drag queen parade in New York where the people said, we're here, we're queer, and we're coming for your children, you better wake up. You better wake up. Listen. Listen. I, I love all the extracurricular things that our family have been able to do, our boys have been able to do, but I will tell you, the foundation's got to be here. I mean, you, you you tell me how how on that day swinging a bat is really going to make that much difference. The ultimate picture is, is around us, life is getting more challenging. And life is getting darker. And the darkness is pushing harder. And what, 30, 40, 50 years ago, people kept in in, in the background? Now, let me tell you, it's parading up and down the streets. And they are after your children. And they are after the next generation. And we, as a church, have to decide, listen... Are we holding to the word and are we going to be aggressive to try to reach the next generation? Who wants them the most? Who wants them the most? Jesus begins an initial question. Then he gives two illustrations. And then there is an implied question at the end that I just throw out there to you as you think about his two illustrations of a man who builds on a foundation and the man who doesn't, let me ask you, are you acting on God's word or are you ignoring God's word? Parents, you're in the driver's seat here, especially when those, before those kids start driving. But even after those kids are driving, you're in the driver's seat. You are called to be the example to make sure that your life and your family, your home, is built on God's word. But let me just tell you, it starts with each one of us as individuals. I I can't make a choice for you and you can't make a choice for me and I, I can't make a choice for my adult kids and they can't make that choice for me. But as I make my choice... I want it to be clear. God's word stands as the authority of my life. God's word is the greatest heartfelt blessing of my life next to the son, his son, Jesus. And God's word is the foundation of my life. And if you don't know it and you're ignoring it, let me tell you, there's going to come a day when there's going to be a storm. Maybe it happens on earth. Or maybe it happens when we stand before God in eternity. But there's coming a storm. Christ is our firm foundation. The word of Christ, God's word, is our firm foundation. With that, let's pray. I want to ask you today. Do you know for certain that you have come to the place where you have trusted Jesus? You're not just calling him Lord, Lord. But you're actually doing the things that he says. Listen, you don't get saved by obedience, but when Jesus transforms our heart, it makes us and gives us a push that we want to obey. Now, I realize not every second about every decision do you really want to, but his spirit challenges us and motivates us and convicts us to. Are you building your life on God's word? Parents? Are you building your family on God's word? Is this just on a checklist of 10 things, going to church? Just on a checklist of talking to our kids about Bible things? Or is this really the foundation? Is it really making a difference in my life? Where are you at? Are you one claiming allegiance, saying, Lord, Lord, and not doing what he says? Are you one who says, Lord, Lord, yes, you are my Lord, Jesus. You are my Lord. Father, I pray that you would take these next moments of reflection. God, that you would speak and move in our hearts. God, I pray if there's anyone here today that has never taken that step, they've never come, they've never heard, they've never acted on that blessed gift of salvation today, would you grant them the faith and the grace to do that? Lord, I pray if there's anyone here today and they're a believer and somehow along the journey of life, they've just gotten off course. God, would you remind them, would you call them, would you convict them of coming back, keeping that life on the firm foundation today? God, it's in your name. In the name of your blessed son, we pray.